Hi, everyone. Thanks for checking out the Thrive Podcast. We are the Young Adult Ministry at Maranatha Bible Church, and we meet on Wednesdays at 730 in our Family Life Center. If you enjoy this podcast, we'd love for you to post it to your Instagram story and tag us at NBC Thrive on Instagram. Thanks again for joining us, and we hope you enjoy. Welcome to Thrive. Uh, I am Jeremiah Sanders, if you do not know me. Uh, And like Morgan said, we did go and have a super fun event last week, so... Keep tuning in July. If you were there, you know how much fun we had with Putt-Putt and the go-karts there at Green Family Fun Zone. Um, tonight, like she said, we're starting a new series here. It's a parable series. And if you've been around church for a little bit, you've probably heard a parable. And you've probably heard this one that I'm going to talk about tonight. Um, but a parable, if you don't know what it is, it's a story Um, And specifically, Jesus used these stories to relate to people. So there's parables about sowing seeds, and he was talking to farmers. And just really wanted to get down to drive home a point about God or our relationship with God through stories that would relate to people. So you'll hear a pastor or a speaker a lot of times use analogies or stories, you know, to relate to people so you can kind of get what they're saying, right? Right. and that's what Jesus did because he wanted people, he didn't want it to be hidden, you know, the gospel, who he was. He was going to speak it and proclaim who he was. And he was going to try to get across um, and relate to the people what he was trying to get across, his message. <laughs> so tonight, I'm going to use an analogy to try to relate to you all like, you know, Jesus would. This probably wouldn't be as good as one as Jesus would do. But anyways, here we go. Uh, so you guys know all those dumb, like, telemarketers that are always trying to, like, come out with your car's extended warranty or whatever, you know, or trying to reach you about your car's extended warranty, or uh, whatever else, you know, sometimes it's like long-distance phone service, whatever they say, but, uh, like, it doesn't matter, you, like, block them or whatever, somehow they always get your number, you know, you're always getting called again and again and again, and you're like, dang, these dumb, like, telemarketers and ads and stuff like this, like, they're, they're like, listening to us through our phones or something, right? Um, but anyways, in kind of similar fashion, let me just put that there, in a similar fashion, you know, God comes after us. When we want him on, when he wants you on his team, there's nothing that's going to stop him. He's coming after you, and he's going to meet you right where you're at. Um, he wants to reach you um, here. So, Tonight, we're going to get into um, this text here, and it's the parable about a son who, or a father who meets his son right where he is. Um, but before we get into the text, we want to see who Jesus is speaking to here. Now, uh, in Luke 15, 1 through 2, it says, Now the tax collectors and sinners were drawing near to him. And the Pharisees and scribes grumbled, saying, This man receives sinners and eats with them. So, We see two groups, tax collectors and sinners, that's one group, group number one, and the Pharisees and scribes, group number two. Those are the two types of people Jesus is talking to here. And he uses this parable here that we're going to get into to relate to both groups, and he's kind of calling out both groups of people, the tax collectors and sinners and Pharisees and scribes. And I'm willing to bet that us in this room will fall into one of the either categories. You can say, you can resonate, hey, this is kind of where I fall tonight, and this is where I kind of lean in a struggle. All right, so let's get into the actual text here. Uh, this is Luke 15, 11 through 32. I'm going to read it here. 
And he said, There was a man who had two sons, and the younger of them said to his father, Father, give me my share of the property that is coming to me. And he divided his property between them. Not many days later, the younger son gathered all he had and took a journey into a faraway country. And there he squandered his property in reckless living. And when he had spent everything, a severe famine arose in that country, and he began to be in need. So he went out and hired himself out to one of the citizens of the country, who sent him into his field to feed pigs. And he was longing to be fed with the pods that the pigs ate, and no one gave him anything. But when he came to himself, he said, How many of my father's hired servants have more than enough bread, but I perish here with hunger? I will arise and go to my father and say to him, Father, I have sinned against heaven and before you. I am no longer worthy to be your son. Treat me as one of your hired servants. And he arose and came to his father. But while he was a long way off, his father saw him and felt compassion and ran and embraced him and kissed him. And the son said to him, Father, I have sinned against heaven and before you. I am no longer worthy to be called your son. But the father said to his servants, Bring quickly the best robe, put it on him, and put a ring on his hand and shoes on his feet. And bring the fattened calf and kill it, and let us eat and celebrate. For this my son was dead and is alive again. He was lost and now is found. And they began to celebrate. So in this story, uh, there's actually two prodigal sons, even though it's the parable of the prodigal son. And we're going to look at the first one here. So prodigal son number one comes to his dad, and he's like, Dad, I mean, and imagine doing this. You go up to your dad or whoever uh, you live with, your guardian, your parent. You come up to them and you're like, hey, you need to give me my inheritance now. I'm out. I'm heading out. I imagine that's probably not going to go very well for a lot of people in this room to be like, hey, just give me like half, like what I got. I'm going to go. Just let me, give me my money. I'll, you know, I'll go and do what I need to do because I don't really like how you're guiding me here. But this is what this son does. And his father's like, okay, here you go. And dude just goes and spends it all on crazy living. So imagine a young, dumb dude just going out, probably going crazy in the club, all that type of stuff, all those things you can imagine all this guy's doing, you know, sinful, reckless living. Um, and so he finally, as a, you know, wise young dude, now foolish, dumb dude is going to do, he spends all his money and is completely broke. There are observations. I think they should come up just so you know that as I'm talking. I don't know if, but anyways, just for the text or the slides, but um, he's completely broke, spends all his money, burns a hole in his pocket, all that, and he's so desperate. He's, you know, hit rock bottom. He's so desperate that he hires himself out to someone in the country to feed their pigs. And I don't know if anyone has any, like, dealings with pigs ever. If people work with Duma's Meats in this room, you would know, like, uh, maybe they, I don't even know if they work with pigs. They probably do. But anyways, um, pigs are not clean animals to work with. So you probably, especially in this time, you probably got to be at a low to be like, okay, this is what I'm going to do. I'm going to go and feed the pigs, and that's going to be my job. And it's a, he's so desperate, the text even says, and he was longing to be fed with the pods that the pigs ate, and still no one gave him anything. So he's getting like, 
he wants to be, he wants to eat these pods that the pigs are eating. You know, pigs are kind of gross animals. I mean, you might look at piglets and be like, they're so cute, but when they grow up, man, those things are nasty. Like, rolling around in the mud and crap, like, and you want to eat the same thing, the slop that they're going to eat? Okay. Anyways, this guy is down bad, for sure, for sure, wanting to eat that crap. But honestly, sometimes, and just kind of have a takeaway for this to relate it to us, um, God has to bring us to rock bottom, like this guy, to humble us. Because we see, like, for him, he's ready to go back to his father at this point. And for us, sometimes, like, we're out, we're like this first prodigal son. Some of us in this room might still be there right now. And God's going to have to bring you to rock bottom. And some examples in Scripture, I listed a lot on the board there, you know, Abraham, um, Jacob, Samson, and so on. You could just go down the list, you know, David, just to run off one example, I talked about him when we did the uh, sexual immorality lesson, committed adultery and had one of his best friends killed on the front line, just being an idiot. And God had to bring him down to rock bottom to be like, hey, man, you have got your focus off of me. You know, Samson married a woman outside of the people, uh, a Philistine, you know, got his hair cut, and, I mean, he disobeyed God. He lost his power and from God, and then he hits this rock bottom, literally loses his eyes. You know, if you know the story, he's brought into the temple, and he realizes how much of a fool he's been and prays to God for one last time of his strength, and he gets it, and he's able to honor God with his, like, last act of taking out some of the Philistines there. But... Those are just a couple examples from Scripture. You could go down the list of these guys and so on. But these real-life people that, in a couple of the stories I mentioned, had some rather difficult life circumstances. And if you've been around church enough time, you've probably heard stories from Abraham, Jacob, and I'm sure there's people that you could list off. They hit rock bottom, like the lowest you can go. And they had to be humbled so that they turned back to God. And I'm sure you guys, if... I mean, you've been a Christian long enough. I can say this for myself in the past, like how um, there's sometimes where God has to bring you to those rock bottom places to be like, hey, like, you got to get your focus back on me, man, or girl. You got to get your focus back on me. Because um, what you're doing in the world, you're not as good as you think you are. There's, you're not as high and mighty as you think you are. Sometimes God has to bring you down and he has to humble you to bring you back to himself. But if you feel like you're at rock bottom, I just want to encourage you, or if you get there ever again, just turn your eyes to God. He does care for you. And this prodigal son realizes, hey, like, and God is the symbol here, or uh, the father is a symbol here for God. He realizes, hey, I need to go back to my father. And for us, we need to realize, hey, I do need to go back to God when I'm at this rock bottom, when I am humbled. And... This prodigal son goes back to his father, and he's trying to think, like, what can I say um, to my dad? And he's like, how many of these father's hired servants have more than enough bread, but here I perish with hunger? I will rise and go to my father, and I will say before, to him, Father, I've sinned before, against heaven before you. I'm no longer worthy to be called your son. Treat me as one of your hired servants. And... 
I think a lot of times that's us, like before we come to God. It's like, we gotta think of the perfect thing to say, we gotta clean ourselves up, and like, have the perfect prayer to like, hey, God's only gonna accept me if I, if I say the right thing to him, if I do this, if I do that. That's the only way God's gonna accept me, and he's not gonna take me like, right as I am right now. I gotta clean myself up, right? No. We'll see the response here, but just to uh, kind of relate this to us, like, um, I, actually, I skipped that. So, I think an interesting part in all this, uh, he says here, in the text it says, but when he came to himself. And in layman's terms, when it says he came to himself, it's like when he realized he was being dumb. When he realized he was being an idiot, that's when he's like, I'm, I need to go back to my dad now. I need to go back to God now. And, you know, I actually had a similar experience with this one time. Actually, rather recently. So, I don't know if any of you guys are, like, handy and can, like, do anything with your hands and, like, figure out stuff like building decks and crap. But I've been building a deck recently. And my dad loaned me this tool, right? Post hole digger. It's, like, one of those things you stick it in the ground. Here, you get a shovel full, put it out, like, right here. And I'm a rather small guy, if you can't tell. So I'm like, you know, digging it, doing my thing, and I snapped the thing, like completely just snapped it. And I'm like, I'm talking to my buddy, and I'm like, what am I gonna do? What am I gonna tell my dad? Like, should I hide it? He's like, no, 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 don't hide it. That'll make it worse. You know, like just trying to figure out, trying to plan, like what's the best thing to say? Like I was an idiot and just broke this thing, if I just would have been doing it the right way instead of trying to like muscle it, you know, but I, I guess that's my MO sometimes. But, um, so he did buy it like a month before, so that was actually kind of really bad because it was only, it was a brand new post hole digger. Um, so to get back to my point here, you know, I'm planning in my mind like what I'm gonna say to my dad. And like, I'm thinking like, okay, he's gonna be so mad at me and I gotta say the perfect thing, I gotta have a script, you know, going into the conversation, he's gonna be so mad at me. And I actually walked up to him, and then it kinda surprised me, and I was like, hey dad, brought the tool, I broke it, gave it to him, he's like, ah, oh, it's cool, it's just a tool. And I was like, that's your response? Like, I've known you for how long? And you were actually like, cool about it? Okay. And my point to relate that to us is like, a lot of times, like, we want to plan these perfect things to say to God, the perfect script, and um, we don't need to do that because we have a God that meets us right where we are, right? He, you don't need to clean yourself up. You don't need to say the perfect thing. God loves you, and he wants you to be on his team, and we don't have to clean ourselves up or say the perfect thing in order to get God's love. Um, so, and we see this in the parable um, in the father's response to his son. And again, the father is a symbol for God. It says that while he was a long way off, his father felt compassion and ran and embraced him. So let's read that again. It says that while his, he was still a long way off, his father felt compassion and ran and embraced him. So that, like, he's a long way off. You know, probably came home in his mess, all this crap, and his father feels compassion when he just sees him. He's like, that's my son whom I love. I'm going out to get him. And he meets him. He runs to embrace him. Friends, God wants to meet you where you are. 
And all you need to do is open your heart to him. He loves us, and he, he wants you on his team. And honestly, the text here goes on to say that they celebrated. He said, give the son the best robe, you know, put a ring on his finger, and kill the fattened calf. And now that sounds like a celebration to me. You know, you're getting, you're getting a ring, you're getting a nice robe, and you probably get some steak with that. Yeah, that's a celebration right there. And um, it's just crazy how this, this father, and like this is how God operates too, and that's the, kind of the point here, is he see, saw where his son was in his mess, and he met him and loved him right where he was. And that's, that's who our God is. You don't need all this clean up X, Y, and Z to get there. It's God met us where we were at. Our Heavenly Father does the same thing. In Romans 5, 8 it says, but God shows his love for us, and while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. You know, God loved us so much that when we didn't want anything to do with him, when we were sinners, when some of us might be there tonight, but while we wanted to do our own thing, God still loved you and he loved me and he sent his son, Jesus, to die for us. We serve a God who loves people and wants to meet them where they are. And if you're here tonight and you feel like you resonate with this prodigal son right here, I would encourage you, call to God. He loves you and he wants you on his team. And I guarantee that he's waiting for you to do so. Now let's go to, I told you there's two prodigal sons in the story, even though it's the prodigal son parable. Let's go to the text here, verse 25. Now his older son was in the field, and as he came and drew near to his house, he heard music and dancing. And he called to one of the servants and asked what these things meant. And he said to him, your brother has come, and your father has killed the fattened calf because he was received back safe and sound. But he was angry and refused to go in. His father came out and entreated him, but he answered his father, Look, these many years I have served you, and I have never disobeyed your command. Yet you never gave me a young goat that I might celebrate with my friends. But when the son of yours came, who devoured your property with prostitutes, you killed the fattened calf for him. He said to him, Son, you are always with me, and all that is mine is yours, it was fitting to celebrate and be glad, for this brother of yours was dead and is now alive. He was lost and is now found. So the second prodigal son here is the older son. You know, he, he's done all the right things over the years. He stayed with his dad, you know. He's, he's out in the field here. Um, and this son would have resonated, you know, talking about who Jesus was talking to here, um, would have resonated with the Pharisees and the scribes here. You know, they've been around. They know the whole law. They've been doing the right thing, the right thing, this whole time, on the outside at least. And in this story, we see that this son, you know, been doing the right thing the whole time, is in the field, working there, and he hears this celebration for his brother. He goes up to one of his servants, hey, like, what's going on up there? Like, hey, your brother's home, and they killed the fattened calf. And he gets angry. And in like, like a worldly sense, like you get it, right? Like he's been here all along. Like he, he feels like he deserves, he deserves that, right? He feels like he deserves there because he's, 
He's been around. He's done all the right things. He's like, and, and I've been here all this time, and, you know, he, he gets a party. You're celebrating him, the guy that went and spent all your money with, you know, prostitutes and all that other stuff? Like, come on, man. That's stupid. So what do we see here, though, in the response from the father to his son? And this even, like, compounds the point that God meets us right where we are. So he goes, the father goes out to this son in the field, and he, it says he entreats him. And he, the son says to him, look, these many years I've served you, never disobeyed your command, and you never gave me a young goat that I might celebrate with my friends. And when the son of yours came, who has devoured your property prostitutes, you killed the fattened calf for him. And the father replies to him and says, hey, all that is mine has always been yours. It's, it just seems fitting to celebrate because the son that was dead to us is now alive. And for us here tonight, if there is someone that comes into the midst, we need to celebrate like this. If there's a new believer that comes in, because this is, you know, this is what they're doing in heaven. You know, there's, they're, they're celebrating when a new, new believer comes into the fold. A big takeaway, and this will relate to the prodigal son number two, is that there's no amount of righteous deeds that are going to earn you favor with God. Now, with that being said, that doesn't mean don't go do dumb stuff and don't continue doing disciplined things that God wants you to do in honoring God, right? Um, but there's no amount of these deeds that are going to earn you favor than the other person. That's, you're not, it's not a comparative thing. And in Isaiah 64, 6, it refers to our righteous deeds as filthy racks, you know, before God. Like, we think we can do all these things and be better than, you know, the believer next to us. That I can be better than Carson, that I can be better than Zach. That if I do all these things, if I, you know, if I attend church seven times, and you only go to church four times, you know, I'm a better Christian than you. God sees me better than you. No, that's not it. Now, will you be closer to God if you go to church and do all those things? Yeah, but that doesn't make you better than anybody. And I think a lot of times we get into this dangerous practice I've seen a lot of comparative morality, which means that, hey, I'm doing X, Y, and Z, and you're only doing B and C. So that means I'm just, I'm doing great. I'm a better Christian, even though I might be struggling with X, you know. I'm struggling with this, you know, but you're going out and drinking every night. So I'm, I'm better than you. This comparative morality thing is very dangerous because you're not looking inside and seeing what God needs you to deal with. Um, so, uh, and we need to be able to look inside and examine our own selves and see what is wrong with us according to what God's word says and how the Holy Spirit convicts us. It, it doesn't matter if someone else is worse than you. It doesn't matter if they're not doing as many spiritual things as you. We want to build each other up, and I mean, you, and you want to push people to be better in the faith, but just because you go to more Bible study than somebody doesn't mean you're a better Christian than them. We don't want to be whitewashed tombs like Jesus has compared the Pharisees to, you know. And when I say that, um, whitewashed tombs, you know, Tombs that are beautiful on the outside, and there's literally death on the inside. So, yeah, I might be doing X, Y, and Z and going to a million Bible studies on the outside and teaching at Bible studies, but what's in here is the question at the end of the day. Am I filled with the Spirit, or am I filled with the world and my flesh? That's the question you need to answer.
And I'll be willing to bet that there's people in this room that fall in line here that you've been around church for a while, you've went to all the Olympians, had all the Bible studies, all the Bible verses memorized, and you got your belt, whatever they did for Olympians, you know. I don't remember, it's been so long, but um, you went on your mission trips in junior high, high school, all those things, and you're like, hey God, I've been around and I, you know, I feel like I deserve something for being around for so long, and it just seems when a new believer comes in and they're doing their baptism, they're celebrated more than me. And sometimes I think us believers that have been around for a long time almost get this like bitterness in our heart. And it's very dangerous because God doesn't work that way. Like you don't deserve anything. The only thing that we actually deserve at the end of the day is hell because of our sin that separated us from God. But because of God and what he did, we don't have to, do, to go to that and we don't get that anymore. Now, don't get me wrong, I've been bashing on it, but God wants you to do things that are pleasing to him, but he wants you to do it out of loving heart because you care for others better than himself like Jesus did. Not because you feel like you're gonna earn favor with God. That's not the reason that we do things. It's because we love people like Jesus did and we're becoming more like Jesus. That's the reason we do things, um, like you said. And if you are here, if you resonate with this prodigal son, I would just encourage you same thing. Seek out God and his word in prayer and ask him to deal with your own shortcomings. This, maybe this bitterness in your heart towards people or how you compare yourself to other people all the time. Um, and ask him that you'd be able to grow in compassion and love for others and love people like he would. Now, if you didn't get it, I want to share the main idea of the passage with you all. So the main idea of Pool from Night is God meets us right where we are, whether we're prodigal one or prodigal two, and he loves us where we are. And no matter where you find yourself, God meets, gonna meet you where you are and he loves you. Um, and he loves us so much that he sent his son to die for us. And in Luke 19.10 it says, for the son of man came to seek and save the lost. You know, Jesus has done all the work for salvation. All we need to do is reach out and accept it. It doesn't matter if um, you feel like you gotta clean yourself up. There's, there's no amount of things that you could done that you know, would completely disqualify you from being a follower of Christ. You know, he, wants, he wants you on his team. And if that's you tonight, call out to him. And if you feel like you play this comparative morality game, you need to call to God too because you don't deserve anything better than anyone else just because you've been around. But um, let's close in prayer here tonight. Lord, I just want to thank you for this day. Thank you for everything you give us. And Lord, thank you that you are a God who loves us all and meets us where we are and that while we were sinners, you, you died for us, Lord, because we know we don't deserve your love and your grace, Lord. But Lord, you extend it to us anyway. And Lord, I pray uh, for those people in the room that may never have known you and um, just maybe doing their own thing and going out and doing whatever it is that they feel is right, Lord. Lord, I pray that you'd convict them and they turn to you. And Lord, I pray for those in, in here that maybe have been around and, you know, kind of go numb and just play the comparative morality game. Lord, I pray that you convict them as well and turn them to you. And Lord, just thank you for everything you give us. In your son's holy name, amen.
Good night and thrive.